Good morning, DJ PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in tonight, Tuesday, Game 7, Western Conference, second round. Who's going to the conference final? Who's playing the Lakers? It's Clippers and Nuggets tonight wrapping up their series. Um, we get these emails, and honestly, I think we get them like twice a week. Maybe we get them more than that. I don't know. And every once in a while, we'll have one of their guests on. These uh, gambling websites are always emailing us, offering up guests. And once in a while, as we did just before the NFL season kicked off, we have one of the guys on to talk NFL. They'll always offer up people and uh, mention the odds and talk about this. But we get this stuff nonstop all the time. <laughs> I got one in my email last night. <laughs> this was a classic. Lakers jump Clippers as finals favorite. Yeah, you think. <laughs> the way the Clippers have handled game five and six. I mean, they didn't even punch back in game six. I got to assume with two days to pull them together that, you know, they're going to come up with a little offer, a little more resistance here, not get blown out by the Nuggets. It's hard to get it's hard to get dominated when you have a 19 point lead in the third quarter. But the Clippers pulled that off. So I'm intrigued. I I thought it was going to be a Clipper Laker conference final. But here are the Nuggets. Doubt them at your own risk. They've won five elimination games this year. One and one in elimination elimination games last year in their two game sevens. So intrigued with that game coming up tonight. Uh, Watch some football. Last night, the uh, Steelers in the first game dominated the Giants. So Roethlisberger didn't have huge stats um, because he didn't need them because he had a two-touchdown lead. It was 26-16 final, but the Giants had a late touchdown. It didn't really matter. It was 26-10. The Steelers, I mean, that that was their game, and they were the better team, and they won comfortably, and as they should have. And the Giants made mistakes at key times. You know, don't kill a a 19-play drive with a pick at the end. What are you doing? Well, you're a young, inexperienced quarterback figuring it out. Gary Croton, and he said it a long time ago when he was head coach at BYU, young quarterbacks can be very good between the 20s. But whether it's a freshman in college or a rookie or second year, a freshman or a sophomore in college or a rookie or second year guy in the pros, he said that where their inexperience shows is in the red zone because the windows get smaller. Guys are open by less and guys aren't open for as long. And a little hesitation and what was a very good decision becomes a Bad decision, a horrible decision with a little hesitation. So Roethlisberger's stats weren't great, but passed the eyeball test, and the Steelers looked like a playoff team, and they got a win to open the season. And then the Titans uh, didn't exactly pick up where they left off last year, although they got the win. But uh, Gakowski made that thing interesting, missing the extra point, and they had three field goals that they could have converted but didn't. And honestly, it shouldn't all be on him. The offense ought to put some of those drives in the end zone, and then there wouldn't have been all the drama late. But they drove down the field late and kicked the field goal and won the game. And Scotty G tweeting out after, I don't know, the third or fourth miss, which one it was, you just know he's going to make a field goal at the end to win the game. Sure enough, Scotty G called it. Scotty G, Bronco fan, feeling the pain. He understands football. He understands karma. Uh, also, we got to talk some BYU football. We're going to hear from Kalani Sataki coming up next. Uh, he met with the media with a little more urgent tone than he usually does. You know he has this side to his personality, at least I do, um, because I don't think he could have worked for Kalani, or Kalani couldn't have worked for Kyle Winningham for all those years if he didn't have it. Uh, but he does. He doesn't show it all the time, and he tends to be more folksy and aw shucks during the interviews. And you know, but this was different. You know, really focused. He's he's really frustrated. You know, you got to get out of your football comfort zone and get into all this medical stuff. And and I asked him, you know, did the New York authorities shut down the game? You know, can they not travel there? And he said, well, you don't want to put on any one person. They talked to a lot of people. And he said, I can't even tell you all the people I had to talk to. I mean, you got to figure Utah County Health people and the state health here in Utah, but probably some public health in 
New York and maybe also, you know, county and state there as well. Plus the in-house people at Army and BYU, the medical people there. I don't know who else. You know, he didn't, he didn't want to go into a list. But we're from Kalani coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. BYU lost a game with Army, but they picked another game up. And uh, so we'll hear about that from Kalani Sataki and also how everything fell apart with Army. Here's the BYU football coach with the media on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right. Well, um, uh, talking about this week, just, uh, you know, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to play the game against Army this weekend. But uh, looking into everything that we've had and uh, just want to, Express to everybody that I have a lot of confidence in our sports medicine department and our, and, and our administration and the decision-making process that they go through. Uh, on our on our um, on our flight to Navy, we had tested, and everyone on that plane on that charter flight uh, tested negative. And so um, on uh, on our return, we were able to test our guys and had a small number of positives. And uh, because of that, with all the different variables involved, because of the travel. You can imagine all the people that we had to connect with and uh, got a lot of feedback from all these different separate entities. And um, after looking into it more and hearing from all the various groups, our, our uh, administration and, and sports medicine department decided to postpone. It would be the, the responsible thing to do and uh, be the, the right thing to do as a partner to Army, knowing that um, all the complications that come into, uh, especially with, with COVID, especially in the travel, there's a lot of different variables involved. And so you can think about things like uh, travel, food, um, transportation, uh, all those different things that come into play and then who you have to talk to and, and the, the groups that you involve in and decision-making process, hearing their feedback um, from different, from states to city to, to county to health departments and uh, taking that all, all the information in. We felt like this was the right move to do is to postpone the game, knowing that this is a, a moving target and things have kind of changed uh, you know, day to day, week to week and uh, surrounding the, uh, the pandemic and sur- surrounding this virus specifically. So that being said, um, I, I think that uh, what complicates things a little bit more is that um, the majority of our tests have been uh, asymptomatic um, people without symptoms, which when you're when you're looking through it and trying to find out uh, how many how many uh, how many people this could infect or or, or affected uh, the, the mindful and the uh, responsible thing to do would be to postpone this game, uh, get an early jump on it. And I feel fully confident that uh, we as a football program and sports medicine department and school have done all the, uh, the right things in leading up to this point, in, including making this decision to postpone the game. So that being said, uh, love to take any questions that you guys may have and, and uh, answer as much as I can if that, that involves me. All right, Jared, go ahead. Thanks, Kalani. The um, you knew this was a possibility that something like this could happen. And what's it been like to go through the timeline, through the process? Um, you know, now that it's become a reality instead of just a possibility. As you've talked to the staff, as you've talked to the players, as you've tried to work through all of the things, 
how prepared were you for that? Oh, we've been really prepared for all of it. But as this thing goes, it's a, I think what complicates it the most in our in our um, position is that uh, we have is a travel right. And so, had this been a home game, I think things would have been a little bit different. There's less uh, entities and people and groups involved. Um, we still have the final say as as a department, sports medicine department, and athletic department and administration, but. Um, when we're traveling, you're involving different states going from state to state. There are different regulations and policies that go that are involved with other states. So this has been an educating process from here on out. Now, as we get ready to travel and possibly travel at other spots uh, for our, our future games, we'll need to take this in consideration. But I don't know how we, if there's a if there's uh, fans or alumni that want to donate their personal planes so we can fly 30 planes out there. That would definitely keep it at the low risk environment. But from our football program and from our and from our um, you know administration sports medicine department, we've done everything uh, uh, according to what's right and according to uh, being mindful and thinking of others and responsible. So uh, I don't think there's any chance that you could you could look at that recklessness or anything being an issue here. This is a uh, in fact doing the responsible thing is to be a good partner to Army, knowing that we can get ahead of this and and to to, to try to get this kind of under control right now. Um, especially with uh, with uh, looking at the, you know, the um, trying to trying to look at all the different variables that go involved that are involved with it. We want to make sure we get this right before uh, before going on and 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 risking other um, uh, other programs in other places. All right, let's go, Dana, and then Jake Edmonds. Hey, Coach, um, how confident are you that uh, the Troy game is actually going to be played? And I assume the players that did test positive, are they going to be held out of this in quarantine? Or is there a chance those players could come back? And just your thoughts on actually getting that home game uh, played a week from Saturday. I think the goal is try to get uh, our players back for that game. You know, and, and what we're doing this week and what we've done since we, we've got those positive tests and um, since last week, you know, is try to, provide a, an environment so that we can get those guys back as soon as possible and get the whole team back right now, this week, we're going to do a, a different form of practice. I mean, we're limited to uh, certain groups and our groups are going to be 10 to 15 and uh, they can't involve other coaches moving back and forth and other players moving back and forth. And so this week won't be the same type of um, prep that you would do for an opponent, knowing that you can't get on the field and practice all the different looks you're going to get. But our guys will be, you know, we'll do our install through virtual, um, through Zoom and things like that. And we'll try to get as much preparation uh, for Troy as possible. But that's really hard to do unless you get on the field and practice that. And what we're hoping is that by next week, we can get back to practicing, uh, you know, as, as a program together and, and, and prepping the right way before that game. And hopefully we can get that going by Monday uh, some individuals, depending on how, how everyone tests out, will be limited and may not even return until then. And even if players are, are late getting back, we want to make sure that they're safe and that they're not, a, not a, uh, at risk for anyone else, but uh, also for themselves. You know, we're trying to keep these guys in shape and make sure that they're not entering the field without a lot of practice or prep. It, would be, it, would be, uh, it wouldn't be a smart thing for us as a program to do. So we want to uh, keep, keep them in mind and, and uh, you know, make sure that we're in the right spot. That's why... Um, this move and this decision was really vital for us going into that game against Troy. All right, Jake Edmonds and then Jake Hatch. Hey, Coach. Uh, before the season started, you mentioned that you would basically play until they told you to stop. Did, did you and Tom um, come to a, 
a conclusion as far as like a criteria in terms of the number of cases on the team that would, you know, cancel a game or stop the season? Or was it always going to be kind of a week by week or even a player by player basis? No, I think what it came down to was the, um, the other players involved. If it was just, like you said, with all the variables coming into it, you, when, you, when you're he- hearing and you have to uh, um, alert other people of, of, you know, when you have a positive test, you have to include them in the whole decision-making process. And so when you're looking at it and you're thinking, okay, and they're telling you their protocol on whether something is a high-risk or low-risk environment, um, that, that, that was uh, for us is like, you know, when we, we took all the information back from all these different groups, the, the right thing to do was to, was to postpone it. And this isn't stop, this is wait. You know, so we're going to keep playing until they say stop. They haven't said stop yet. And if we keep doing our part, we can continue to play, although it's going to be a little bit different. Listen, this this is different than anything we've faced, right? And that's going for all of us in, in, in the community. And so as we're working through uh, the whole deal around COVID, we knew that this might be an, uh, um, this might be in the future. But we have there's a lot of flexibility in our scheduling. There's And, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, the, this is probably – part of the season this year we're not the only game that has postponed their games and have to reschedule there's a number of other ones too but that that shows that the programs and, and administrations are thinking about others and are thinking about the safety of people and the players involved before just going on and just playing this is this to me this is a very responsible move by byu and i applaud it i'm gonna i'm just gonna do my part to get this done this week and and hopefully get back to next week where our players can practice and prep Troy. Kalani, we saw over the weekend Mike Buddy, the AD from Army, advocating for a team to play them this week, looking for somebody. What is your confidence level? You guys will get this game back on the schedule this season. Uh, I mean, that's Tom's department, but I looked ahead of it, and it doesn't seem too hard to me. We want to play them. Army's a really good team. They're doing some great things right now too, and have uh, I think you know I don't know I don't think anyone else is two and zero. I think they are, but. Uh, would love to play that game. Uh, we have an opening on November 28th and December 5th. So do they. So doesn't seem like it's that hard. I'll let Tom deal with that, though. Okay, Norma and then Shep. Hey, Coach. So you mentioned how one of the biggest issues with um, trying to maintain that bubble environment is traveling. And if you were to be, stay home, that would reduce a lot of the higher risk situations. But what is your opinion or just your thoughts on what is going on on the BYU campus outside of football with the parties being thrown over the weekend, the young and dumb production making pop-up clubs around town and how students are just kind of doing whatever they want as if it were a regular school, school year. Well, I don't know anything about all that stuff except for educating my players to be smart and to, uh, you know, do their part as a, we all have a responsibility individually here on our football team. You know, there's 123 guys on our football roster and that including with the coaches, staff and, and support staff. I think it's really important for us to, to be mindful of others. And uh, I think what's, what's really dangerous about the, the virus is that all the, uh, the majority of the tests that we've had um, that are positive are asymptomatic. That, that, that's a dangerous thing out there. When, when, when in the past, I mean, I don't know, it seemed like if you had symptoms, you go get tested. Now you can test positive and not know. But I think uh, what BYU is doing is, is great. We, we test three times a week. And when you test it and you get these positives, you have to, you have to respond accordingly. And uh, I, like I said, I, I've been really confident in the way our program has handled this and um, looking forward to our players being smart. If they want to play football, this is the key. This is the deal. So 
I can't believe BYU's throwing parties. Where, where were they when I was when I was a student? You know, I like to dance. <laughs> All right, Shep, go ahead. All right, Kalani. Uh, realizing where the uh, most of these questions are going to come from, I did want to make sure that we asked you about um, the Louisiana Tech announcement that was announced uh, about 20 minutes ago. Just your thoughts on on taking on uh, La Tech coming up on uh, the second of October. Great team, great coaches. Um, it's going to be a, a, a great test for us. You know, I'm, we're focused on getting through this week and, and focusing on Troy, but glad that, that Tom was able to add that to the schedule. And uh, I, I think the world of that program, they have tons of athletes. You know, we, we have coaches here that, that have spent some time in that state in Louisiana, so we know what type of athletes they can bring here. And uh, they've, they've, they're going to cause some issues, but right now focused on Troy, but glad that that schedule is filling out. And, you know, in, in connection to that answer, I, I think that it's important that people know that we want to play Army. That's not something that that, that our players are excited about, they, that we had to postpone that game. Our guys want to get on that game. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things that we want to prove, a lot of things that we want to test ourselves in. And facing a team like Army, their physical, tough part of the game, I think that fits what we want to challenge ourselves with. So we're looking forward to getting that rescheduled, hopefully. And uh, really glad that we're able to add quality opponents like, like La Tech and then looking forward to, to that. But we'll, we'll start as a head coach. I'm going to try to stay focused on this, but this is a different year. You know, you got to be able to see what else is going to happen out there. And, uh, you know, as, as, as teams and programs start to make these decisions, whether they're postponed games or not, um, you know, you may see a lot of flexibility in schedules in 2020. And that's, that's okay. I think a lot of the athletic directors knew that this this might be, uh, you know, it might have to be a transition that you're making through through the fall of 2020. All right, let's go, Jeffrey Neer, and then Mitch Harper. Yeah, hey Kalani, I was just uh, curious about you, you guys had such a great start to the season. I'm just curious how you stay so positive, or how you stay positive after jumping into the top 25 and everybody talking about BYU football. And now all of a sudden it comes to a stop. Has to be some frustration level there. No, I mean we, we get to still play. You know, I have a lot of friends uh, that aren't playing right now, and a lot of there's a lot of great football players that are not playing right now. You know, and so uh, I, I I know their frustrations, and right now we have it on hold, right? And so this 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 level and, and this uh, this attitude that we have of appreciation and gratitude is going to continue. I, we talked to our players, had meetings about this entire uh, process. And told them about it, you know, uh, before the weekend that that this was a, a a strong possibility of postponing the games. A huge disappointment in them, but there's a, they also left there with a lot of gratitude. You're going to talk to some players, and they'll tell you that they're just thankful that this is they still have an opportunity. While other conferences are voting to see if they're going to continue to play, we have an administration that has been behind our players 100. And this is just one of those bumps in the road that we have to just be able to adjust to. It's okay, you know, and and. Uh, we have a responsibility when we're traveling to other states to, to include the other states and include their policies and their regulations into our travel as well. Be mindful of them. And then if we do that correctly, we can, we can continue to travel. So this is uh, an ongoing thing, but I, I've been really, that's the, where the positivity comes from is that we get to still play, you know, and a lot of, a lot of good friends of mine, a lot of great players are out there not able to do that. And I feel for them, but uh, you know, we're, we're still fortunate in this position right now. Kalani, was there any talks about Army coming out to Provo to play this game? Man, I don't know, Mitch. You're going to ask me a question that I can't answer. Um, I don't know. I, I'm sure that when you're talking to our administration and their administration, they tried everything they could to, to, to 
you know, to accommodate and try to make it work. Everybody wants to play the game. It's not like we decided, okay, there's no game and that's it. They were trying, everyone's trying to find different ways to be creative, to, to have the game keep going. So um, I, I have a lot of confidence in army and that they wanted to play this game. And then I know they, they feel like we want to play as well. So there's still a, a chance that it could continue and hopefully we get that, that game schedule soon. All right, let's go. David James and Patrick Kinahan. So Kalani, just to be clear, you were talking about travel issues and that was part of the problem here getting into the state of New York and playing the game. Are there rules in the state of New York that we're going to preclude this from happening? Uh, without getting into details, the problem is all the states that are involved with our travel, our own state and other states that we are going to travel to. So when, when you look at all those different groups, if it was just a decision to me, it'd be easy. We'd be on our way to, to West Point. Right. But um, but after I listened to all the feedback and, and talked to our sports medicine department and talked to our administration, this seemed like the right thing to do, the responsible thing to do. And um, that's why we did it. I, but you, you can, I, I don't think I can name all the different groups that we spoke to and the different the feedback we got from other groups and looked at all their, their, their policies, their protocols, their regulations, all those things involved. I'd rather Tom and them just handle that. And I can just say, okay, we'll just do whatever we can. Uh, fortunately, you know, I, I like listening to what they have to say because it's an educational deal for me to learn more about it and, and what we can do on our end to keep everything low risk so that for our future travels, you know, and that's what we're, we're focused on trying to do. But, uh, you know, at this point when we looked at it, testing and being uh, COVID free, getting on that plane to Annapolis was the most important thing. There's a, a lot of other things that come involved with it and, and whether you're traveling to another place or from a, a, another place. All right, Pat Kinahan. Kalani, now that you're playing uh, road games or home games with no fans, how much do you have to generate your own enthusiasm from among your players? Yeah, I, I think I think we – I mentioned earlier about the appreciation and, and excitement to play. And, and uh, you know, you watch some of the NFL games and everyone's trying to do that. And then and, and I think um, more than anything, we're just excited to play the game. I, I don't know if, if I need to generate it or – or uh, do any of that stuff. I just told the players I was going to have fun, man. I, I, I'm going to hang out with them. They're a veteran group. I've been really pleased with the way that they've handled themselves throughout this whole thing since March when spring ball was, was uh, cut short. I've been really impressed with them, and I just really wanted to get out there and, and, and celebrate them. But so did they. It's not like the head coach was the one that set the tone. The players set the tone. I followed, man. I, it was just a, a fun thing to be there with them. And, uh, you know, we'd love to have the fans around, but but that's uh, until that happens, we're going to keep rolling with this. All right, Jared Lloyd, last question, and then we've got players ready to go. I just wanted to ask about the broader impact on families. I mean, you've got coaches, you've got players, they've got families, all of that. When you have these positive tests, how much do you take into consideration and try and, and think about all of the collateral impact that it might have as far as beyond the football program? Yeah, locally, that, that's, some, that's something that we always have to be mindful of. And, and it's the coaches, the players at homes and, and being smart with, with their groups. And, 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 and um, you know, I, I don't have an answer for it other than creating a bubble. As much as you can create a bubble for yourself, that's what we have to try to do. And, and I know it's not going to be perfect because we have, kids that are going to school we have all these different moving parts around us and that's just here in Provo you know if you're looking at at um 
um, you know, just, just from the, 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 I mentioned the symptoms, the, the asymptomatic positives that causes more issues because in the, uh, just a few months ago, I don't know, for me, I just thought if you felt like you had symptoms, you go get tested. Well, now we're learning that you could still be a positive and not have any symptoms. And then that's what we've seen for most of our, our positives that they're not, they're not experiencing symptoms. And so that complicates everything, but it's not anything that's like, new for the for the for us what you're seeing it's not it's just unique to byu major league baseball is dealing with it right unless and 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 you know we'll see what how other colleges and 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 nfl teams are dealing with it but i don't think you can create a great bubble unless you're doing what the nba is doing and they're putting a tons of money and actually just keeping them isolated as a group from everything i think that's the only foolproof way of making sure that it's uh it's going to be as safe as possible and that's difficult to do when you're having school and you're having students. And I know I poke fun at the guys throwing parties and all that stuff. And it's, you know, there's a lot of different people that feel different ways and then are really, you know, all over the spectrum on where this, how they, how to deal with the virus. And all I know is I have a football team that, that uh, they need to do things that are required of them. We, we come here to BYU knowing that there's certain guidelines that you have to live by in your life and in academics to play football. Well, now all we've done is added to it that you have to keep social distancing, be smart, be mindful of who you are and where you're where you're at, and um, and by doing that, you can also protect others. And that this move to postpone the game was just as much as a BYU doing the right thing for Army than just doing what's you know just just going and acting on our own. It's a big move of responsibility and ownership, and I'm glad I'm here and under this leadership from our administration and our sports medicine department. There is Kalani Sataki, BYU football coach. When we come back, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, talking NBA playoffs. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider and Laker lifer, uh, joined us yesterday. We're at a golf tournament, so here's some of the noise in the background. It was a little different. But Steve, with a lot of takes on Game 7 and what will happen when the winner tonight between the Clippers and Nuggets faces off with the Lakers. Here's Steve Cleveland with PK and I. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. Well, Steve, I've thought of you in the last couple of weeks. We haven't talked to you, but... Uh, you know, there were huge California fires, and we knew it because the smoke here was really, really thick. <laughs> we, and I guess the satellites was going all the way to Kansas. Then we got 100-mile-an-hour winds, which was another problem here, and it pushed all the smoke into San Francisco, and it turned orange. And I thought, I wonder what it's like for Steve in Fresno right now. It's, it's not pretty. I've never seen anything like this, to be honest with you. You know, the sun every night is, or the, the sun is like orange or red. And uh, the fires of our... They're about 30 minutes, probably on a drive so up to a little community going east in Aubrey, and uh, so we're probably 30 or 45 minutes. I've never seen it. it's like an apocalyptic uh, experience. Yeah, I mean it, it's just dense. It looks like fog, and you go outside on your car, and there's an inch of, of just dust, and um, and it's really 
it's just something I've never experienced before. And you just kind of try not to stay outside or be outside very long. Um, but, you know, I feel I feel for these people. I feel for these people who have been displaced. That We we have a, a number of people in that the friends and in the church and stuff that live in this community where they've all had to evacuate and leave their homes and watch them burn down. So it's, uh, it's, been, it's been a real struggle. But I, I've never seen anything like this. And there doesn't seem to be any respite here. I mean, it's like there's no rain coming. And I think they've got about 8% of it contained. But it's spreading it's spreading down into the Sequoia National Park. Uh, it's going up in, it's now starting to go towards Yosemite, going north into the Madera County. So I don't know. It's uh, it, the difficult, crazy times. And uh, you feel for a lot of the people that have been displaced and just turned their lives upside down. So, but it is, I've never seen anything like it. And I've been, we, we've had a lot of fires here, but this is a whole nother level. And uh, it just, you go outside, and it's just really an eerie feeling. So I'm really fascinated with basketball. We see this all the time. We've seen it in the playoffs. The Jazz, game five, have a 15-point lead. You know, they didn't put the proverbial pedal to the metal, step on the throat, all those cliches. They give Denver new life. Denver ends up winning the series. And now with the Clippers, the Clippers the last two games in the second half have had double-digit leads. They don't finish the deal, and they allow the Nuggets to come back. And now here the Nuggets are, and they're tied 3-3. Is that somewhat of a coach's nightmare when you build a lead and, and you get some complacency and you have some shots, some possessions that are really crappy, and the next thing you know, the team's right back in it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, very problematic for a coaching staff. And I, you know, and I think the Clippers, I mean, I think everyone would agree that they have probably the most depth and the most talent in terms of what they can put on the floor. When they sub, they they bring in good players. And uh, so that is really uh, uh, got to be troubling for them. I think the thing is, though, that Denver, you know, they play the same way every time they come out. I mean, I've watched almost all of their games. And I feel like I'm watching, you know, Air Force play in the Neil Mountain West. And their execution is incredible. And obviously, Jokic is reminding a lot of people that uh, what a special player he is. But I think defensively, Denver as well, it's got size. You know, I mean, Jeremy Grant, 6'8", Torrey Craig, 6'7", Porter, 6'10", Murray, 6'4", Jokic, you know, is, is, is a huge human being. It's not easy to get to the rim. I think defensively, we haven't talked a lot about Denver, but, uh, I mean, they were 58% field goal shooting, 48% three-point shooting, but defensively, they're they're just massive, and and they're just solid, just really well-coached and solid, playing with a lot of confidence. And, you know, if you you ask, okay, Clippers or Denver tonight, I I mean, in, in the bottom of your mind, you still keep thinking about the talent of the Clippers, but I'm 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 of the opinion that uh, this this is this game is going to be a really 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 di- difficult game for both teams. I mean I I'll be shocked if the Clippers come out and win this game by 20. I mean unless somebody gets hurt or there's some circumstance, Denver is playing at the speed they want to play. They're playing the game exactly how they want to play offensively and defensively, and you know. Clippers are up and down shooting the ball. I mean, Leonard and George, for the most part, have carried this team. But Beverly has been kind of a no-show. 
Harrell, I mean, you know, here's a six-man-of-the-year averaging 18 a game, and he scored five points in the last game. Beverly, two points. Williams, 14. We know Lou Williams averaged 18, 19 a game. So they're not playing to the level they can play, but you got to give Denver a lot of credit. They have a lot to do with it. And uh, it's been really, really fun to watch. I mean, I, I would have never, ever, ever thought this could happen. I just thought that the Clippers would eventually overwhelm them, win this thing 4-1. to one. Uh, But that's not how it's playing out. And credit to the coaching staff at Denver, the guys, for a system that is really working and they're playing with a lot of confidence. Steve Cleveland joined us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. So I think people get all of that. So the question is, why does Denver have to keep falling behind by 15 or 19 points? They've got all the yeah, size. Well, They've got all this talent. Why not, why not get after it right from the opening tip? You know, I, I think it's one of those things that a lot of what they do, they do within the framework of a team. And it takes teams a little bit of a, you know, it takes a while. They don't have a lot of guys. I mean, certainly Murray can go make plays on his own. But it's not a team that goes and makes a lot of plays on their own. The system is really important to them. And it takes a while for the system to get going and, and get into that groove. Uh, I, don't, you know, I don't know. I don't have an answer for why they've had those slumps and they get behind. But you know what? So far it's been working. <laughs> I don't know if the Clippers get overconfident and all of a sudden uh, you know, their shot selection's poor. They're not defending. They're not playing with a sense of I – don't, I don't think the Clippers have played with a sense of urgency. And against a team like Denver, once they get a lead late, they're not going to beat themselves. And I think the Clippers in the past <clears throat> have been in a situation where they felt like, well, we can just turn up, you know, we can rev up the engines and turn it up again and, and do what we got to do, but not when they're controlling the tempo and forcing them to play them the way they want to play them. So, yeah, it, it is – I don't understand it, but I think a lot of it does have to do with Denver being team-oriented that – it takes a while to get into the flow of that. And, of course, Clippers don't – I mean, they got length at every position. They're quick. They're athletic. It takes a while to maybe adjust that a little bit. And once they get into it, they find kind of the weak link and they attack it. So when a postseason started, I thought, man, the Lakers just don't have enough. I mean, they got two studs, obviously, at the top. One of the greatest players of all time, an emerging player who, you know, his career is yet to be defined, but he's still fantastic right now. And then I thought there was a huge drop-off. Well, now... I'm starting to eat my own words because I've seen them get some production. Rondo comes back. He's a veteran. Uh, a couple other guys there that I did not anticipate playing as well as they have, Caruso being one of them. And now I'm starting to really doubt myself as far as thinking that they can't win it. I'm thinking absolutely they can win it. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll tell you, the first thing that happened was the coaches made the best decision. It may have been a coaching decision. I don't know who if. You know, if LeBron comes up to the coaching staff and says, but there's no way you can have McGee in the game. And they were starting McGee. They did that. And it, it, they were dysfunctional with him in the game. I'm not saying he can't play minutes, maybe eight or ten minutes through the course of the game. But I don't care whether it was Morris or whoever it was, but AD needs to play at the five. If they're going to win this thing, he can't be the four-man and have another big. It's not going to happen. He's going to settle for jump shots. His shot, he's just not going to be the person. They are so much better when AD is at the five. And I don't know what the stigma is. Well, no, no, I'm a three-man. Everybody wants to be a three-man or a four-man. I don't want to be the five. Well, if you want to win a championship, stay at the five, and you can score inside and out, have a presence there. And and Morris is, you know, he's a guy that averages nine or ten points a game, but he can defend the position 
and it helps them, really helps them defensively, and I think is the number one thing that's been the biggest difference. Now, you're right. Uh, Rajon Rondo and, and Caruso both have played really well. I mean, Rondo has had some great games, and it just, it, they, he really provides some leadership that, the guy, that they really needed. I mean, I know it's LeBron's team, but LeBron can't do it for the, every minute of every game. And to have Rondo out there, I think, puts LeBron in a position that he can breathe a little bit and know that, that he can run the team. And Caruso has done the same thing. He's played with confidence. And, I mean, I hated this team. And I'm a, I've been a Laker fan most of my life. I just didn't like the way they looked. You know, I mean, I just, it was just they, they were shooting the three well. Well, now they're feeding – now with AD – in, in 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 that low post, they they have to. He'll bring attention. He'll bring two or three guys. In the past, they didn't have to guard McGee, so McGee could whoever was defending him would go out and defend the three. Could help on LeBron. Uh, so I think the adjustments that were made in terms of who's playing, and and then them guys get more confident. Green, Caldwell Pope, and Kuzma. You know, they're all kind of scary at times defensively, but at the end of the day, they're starting to shoot the ball well. They're playing with confidence. This is a really confident team. And you're asking me today, I'm saying, you know what, the Lakers win this thing. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of basketball still to be paid. But I, I completely agree with you. Uh, I could hardly stand watching the Lakers play. And it's made such a difference to bring Morris in there and put AD back where he belongs. Uh, don't worry about the stigma that you're not a three-man. <laughs> and uh, at the end of the day, they're a much better team. And LeBron is certainly – He's ratcheted it up and and playing really, really, really good. So Did I say the Rockets really (laughs) self-destructed? I've never seen a team just kind of lose it, by the way. So my assumptions that are going haywire are different than PK's assumptions that are going haywire. I thought it was Lakers and Clippers to the conference final, and then we'll see when you get there who's healthy, who's really clicking, and watch those two slug it out. Now, if Denver wins game seven... Since we've now assumed that they were done twice <laughs> and they're still alive, should we assume they're done against the Lakers? Uh, if, if the Lakers continue to play how they're playing right now, I, I did not believe the Lakers could beat the Clippers. I thought the Clippers had too much depth. They had, you know, Williams coming off the bench, Rell coming off the bench. I, I just did not believe that they could, they could beat, the, uh, to beat the Clippers. Uh, so if, if, if we wake up tomorrow morning and see that Denver actually beat the Clippers, I think we're going to see another great series, but I, the Lakers win that. They, they have size. They can obviously, they can do some different things that the Clippers can't uh, defensively in the bigs. Uh, however, uh, I'm never, ever going to second-guess this Denver team. Uh, the chemistry that they have, the system, uh, how, you know, how they move the ball, and, and they have size as well, and they have length. So I, I think that if Denver wins, the Lakers go to the finals, and they, they win an NBA championship. But if the Clippers beat Denver and all of a sudden they're still there, then there's a part of me that still believes the Clippers are capable if they get their act together and, and play at a level that everybody thinks they should be playing. So that, that would be my thoughts on that. But it would be I, – I mean, right now – Obviously, I got a guy, Paul George, playing for the Clippers who is a dear friend and love his family. But this Denver beating them would be one of the most significant things that's ever happened in the NBA playoffs when you consider perceptions of the two teams and what Denver's gone through to get to where they are right now. 
I'd agree with that. On the East, I think I'm going to go with Miami. Uh, a couple of things. I'm loving Spolster as a coach, but to me, Jimmy Butler has really emerged as a big-time player. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really liking Miami as well. Uh, I, I, I tell you, they, Jay Crowder has been unbelievable. Here, here again is a situation where it's you know it's not a team with great size. Adebayo plays, you know, all over the rim and so forth. But this is a team that it has great chemistry, and I completely agree with you. This is Eric Spolstra receiving the credit that probably he didn't get when they when he had all those really good players, and it was kind of like it was more about the players than him. But I, I think in the league, it, 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 for everything you read and hear and listen to coaches. There's so much, so much respect for Coach Bolstra and all the things that he's doing. It's a fun team to watch. And uh, Hero is – this young rookie is shooting the lights out. They just have great continuity. And, and, and Jimmy Butler has found a place that he's comfortable with and such a competitive guy. Uh, but, it, but it's a group. They've got about six or seven guys that can go from 15 to 20 a night. And they're playing with a lot of confidence. I um, – I, I like Miami as well. I mean, I, I think if Hayward does come back and can play uh, soon, that it, it, it certainly gives the Celtics a, a bolt. But I, I just, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know if the Celtics they've just been kind of up and down, and they've had obviously beating Toronto is not an easy thing. Um, but. It, I don't know. I, I just like Miami's energy and their mantra, what's happening. It's not to say the Celtics couldn't because certainly Tatum and Walker. Walker has just been kind of up and down, and Smart is the part of that team. Brown is kind of up and down as well, even though it, when he's good, he's really, really good. And So um, I like Miami as well, and we'll see. I may change my mind in a couple of games, but I like Miami right now going into it as well. So as a Laker fan, and presuming that you know a bunch of other Laker fans and talk to them in California, I would think there's a fair number of Laker fans in Fresno. Uh, yep. Does this championship feel like other championships, or does this one feel different because LeBron's coming late in life and he's not really a Laker, and they tampered with and then leveraged AD out of New Orleans? Does this one feel a little dirty, Steve? Let's just cut to the chase. <laughs> you are a beauty. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know that it feels dirty. I, I think that the Laker Nation has been waiting quite a while, and they're loving this. They're not proud. They, you know, I mean, they, they just want another banner up, and they, they want to be relevant again. And I don't know how much longer LeBron's going to play. You know, I mean, but, I mean, hey, the guy might play till he's 45. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, I don't think so. And I, and I suspect in the community I live, there are more Golden State fans uh, because of all the connections, and we're you know, a little bit closer to San Francisco. But um, no, no, I, I, I believe they're loving this, and, and this is uh, something that the community will enjoy. Uh, if they can pull it off, you know, and, and the other thing is that, you know, every, every team's one injury away from uh, a lot of disappointment. I mean, you want guys to stay healthy, but uh, yeah, you've got a potpourri of players here from all over the place, but for the very first time, you know, you've got a situation here where you can have some accountability. Like, I mean, Kuzma's done some really good things, but you know, it just drives me crazy when he's not guarding and he just, but you know, he, He's comfortable. He's gotten in a comfortable, comfortable place where he's sur- surrounded by guys. He's not having to guard certain players now. 
that he was really vulnerable guarding. I mean, this is an interesting team, but uh, I've never been really – I mean, the Morris twins, you, 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 you've seen them, you've watched them, but I think he, they, he's really had an impact on this team. And I, when they can play small, you know, I don't know what small is in the NBA, but when you're not having two bigs, the Lakers give themselves a chance to be champions again. They go back to playing big, they got no chance. And so I, I like where the Lakers are, and uh, I think that no matter who they play – whether it's Denver or Clippers, if they continue down this path, the Lakers, the Lakers go to the finals. Fresno is kind of an out-of-the-way community, and one of your own, Tom Seaver, passed here recently. How big of a deal was that in your community? It was a big deal. You know, uh, so this is a great baseball community. Um, <clears throat> there's been such great baseball here. <clears throat> Excuse me, high school, collegiately. Fresno State won a national championship in baseball, co- collegiately. So many pros. Um, I played baseball my whole life, and I grew up, you know, loving Tom Seaver. Um, I do. I'm, in, I'm involved in a nonprofit. Uh, it's called the Fresno County Athletic Hall of Fame. I'm, I'm on a board member there, and obviously Tom is one of those members of the Hall of Fame. So there were a lot of tributes, a lot of things done for him. Uh, he's a very, very special guy in our community, and uh, and, and baseball is, is kind of the first love of everybody in this valley. It's just uh, it's just always been that way. Uh, the unfortunate part is most of them are Giant fans, <laughs> and I'm a Dodger fan. But besides that, uh, it's, there's great baseball here, has been for a long, long time, and Tom Seaver is the pinnacle of that and all that he did. And uh, He's loved and revered. He was uh, greatly respected. Had a chance to meet him a couple of times myself. And uh, so, yeah, he's he's beloved here and as well as around the world. And it was uh, – they they paid great tributes to him here in a lot of different ways. And so it was fun to see and relive some of his past and how special he was. Well, Steve, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes. And we will talk to you again next week. All right. See ya. Bye-bye. There's our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.